Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 53 of Revelation chapter 14. We're going to be reading verse 20. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Now, um, we've been looking at this verse for the last few studies, and we're trying to very carefully look at everything the Bible has to say as we're going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. And so we wonder, uh, what is this 1,600 furlongs pointing to? Well, first of all, what is a furlong? And why does God speak of uh, 1,600 of them? And in order to uh, be able to find out and discover the meaning of a word in the Bible, we have to follow the biblical methodology of comparing Scripture with Scripture. And, that is, we look up the word and we see where else it's used in the Bible. Furlongs is the Greek word stadion, which is Strong's number 4712. And it's a, a, a very interesting word. It's only found six times in the New Testament. Five times it's translated as furlong. Now, I want to look at every place we find this word, all six instances of it, five times as furlong and one time as race, and we'll we'll take a look at that uh, verse also. We'll do that last. Now, let's first go to Luke chapter 24. In verse 13, it says, And behold, two of them, went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And three score would be sixty. Now, these are two disciples of the Lord who are walking to the village Emmaus after the events that had taken place with Christ going to the cross and so forth. And then, as they talk together, it says... In verse 14, of all these things which had happened, then in verse 15, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So they're traveling probably to their hometown of Emmaus, 60 furlongs from Jerusalem. And as they do so, the Lord decides to appear to them. This is after his resurrection. And it's a wonderful story, a true historical account that we read of the conversation they had and then how the Lord opened up their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. But again, here the word we're interested in is furlongs, 60 furlongs, three score furlongs, the distance from Emmaus to Jerusalem or Jerusalem to Emmaus. Now another place is in John 
chapter 6 and in verse 19. It says, um, so when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. So again, the word furlong has to do with distance. The, from the point when they began to row, they rowed five and twenty or thirty furlongs. Now why would God who of course knows exactly how far they rode, say 25 or 30. Why wouldn't he give one or the other? And the, the reason is in order to give us those numbers because uh, the two different numbers have spiritual meaning. 25 is 5 times 5. 30 could be broken down 3 times 10 or uh, 2 times 5 times 3 or something like that. And and so the, the particular numbers of 25 or the particular numbers of 30 would have some application in the spiritual meaning of what the Lord is trying to say. And, and yet again, uh, furlongs is a distance. They began to row and they had only gone 25 or 30 furlongs and then they encountered the Lord Jesus Christ walking on the sea. So that's uh, two times now uh, with with the disciples on the road to Emmaus and now the disciples rowing in the ship and both cases they encounter Christ as they are traveling a distance that is um, estimated by furlongs. And also in John 11... John 11, it says in um, verse 17, Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. And it's referring to Lazarus. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. So this is the grand event of the time when the Lord will uh, raise Lazarus from the dead. And he's going to do it in Bethany, which was close to Jerusalem. It was only uh, about 15 furlongs off. And and we can see how that would be much closer than Emmaus, which was 60 furlongs away. And keep in mind, of course, that the Jews of that day would have lived in various towns and villages and cities round about Jerusalem and often probably would have gone to the holy city at that time where um, the it was the central place of worship and God um, had commanded that that during the feast the Jews were to show themselves at Jerusalem and and so we find them walking it's not that far of a distance especially when people are accustomed to it today we we don't walk that often because we have cars and other modes of transportation back then they did much more walking and 
Bethany was fairly close to Jerusalem. But notice again, we're given 15 furlongs, the distance from Bethany to Jerusalem. And in the context, Martha meets Jesus. And and so that's three times now where furlongs are mentioned and the disciples encounter Jesus in the context of the furlongs. Another place that we find furlongs is Revelation 21. And this is the fourth time it's used of the six in the New Testament. Revelation 21 is the glorious chapter in which God is describing heavenly Jerusalem, the city of God, which really is built, comprised of all those that God has saved. And so when we we read the things that are spoken about this glorious new Jerusalem, it is really describing aspects of God's salvation program or of the elect themselves. And in Revelation 21, it says um, in verse 14, "...in the wall of the city had twelve foundations." And in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed. Twelve thousand furlongs, the length and the breadth and the height of it, are equal. The city of God which identifies with all those that God has saved is measured to be 12,000 furlongs. And 12,000 would point to the complete number or or the fullness, the complete fullness of God's elect. As 12 indicates fullness and 10 completeness. And, And so this is picturing the whole company of the elect, the complete fullness of all those that God saved, everyone whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And and once again, we also see how the word furlongs is really a very important word when it comes to um, the, the key parts of God's overall salvation program, the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jerusalem. Emmaus, the distance from Emmaus to Jerusalem, or the distance from Bethany to Jerusalem. And uh, and, uh, the exception is when they were on the sea, it was the distance of their rowing until they did encounter the Lord. And and now in Revelation 21, 16, the new Jerusalem, it's measured to be 12,000 furlongs. And and so furlongs has much to do with God's overall salvation plan. I think we, we could say that with Jerusalem, as Jerusalem pictures those that he saves. Well, that's four times. The fifth, of course, is in our verse in Revelation 14.20. Let me read it again. The last part of the verse says, um, Blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred 
furlongs. And that would be a distance. A distance the blood traveled unto the horse bridles from the wine press. And, and that is five times it's translated as, as furlongs. And, and of course, uh, we're trying to understand what it means here in this verse. What could be at the end of the flow of the blood? At, at the end of 1600 furlongs. Now, if you've been listening to e-Bible fellowships Bible studies and, and our teaching, you realize that we are uh, looking at the 1600 furlongs, the 1600 days as, as judgment day, the time of harvest, the time uh, when the Lord Jesus began to tread the wine press. That's when it began, was May 21, 2011. And 1600 days later is October 7th of 2015, which happens to be the last day of harvest and also the Feast of Tabernacles in the Hebrew seventh month of that year. And and so there's a, a strong likelihood that that is the date for the completion of Judgment Day as 1,600 days out of day 8,400 days equals 10,000 days. And, and so that day, October 7th, 2015, would also be the 10,000th day, overall day of judgment, since judgment began at the house of God, May 21, 1988. And it would be a, a perfect day for God to complete the judgment that he began on the church, transitioned to the world on May 21, 2011, and now the overall judgment of all the wicked in the church and out of the church would be complete. And once he completes the judgment, he destroys the world and recreates a new heaven and new earth. It's It would be the time when New Jerusalem comes down out uh, from heaven, uh, descending from God, and uh, it, it would be the uh, beginning of eternity future for God's people as they are given that, uh, well, I don't know. Can I say that? Uh, actually, when we become saved, we're given a, a new spirit that is already eternal. But uh, that's the point when when time is no more and we enter into eternity future. Those of us that are now living on the earth, we can say that. And that would be the point of meeting Christ, the point of coming to the new Jerusalem. And the furlongs would be the distance from the beginning of Judgment Day until we enter into the new heaven and new earth and we meet God face to face and so forth. Well, let's look at one other place where furlongs is found in the New Testament. And again, this is stadion, the Greek word stadion, and it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 in an interesting context, and I'm going to read a few verses here, 1 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. 
Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And and that concludes 1 Corinthians 9. Now, where is the Greek word stadion that's translated as furlongs everywhere else? It's found in verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 9. And I'll read it again. Know ye not that they which run in a race, and that's the word. It should be translated furlong. They which run in a furlong run all, but one receiveth a prize, so run that ye may obtain. And here God is indicating that a furlong can be viewed as a race. And, and even the Greek word stadion, which is translated as furlongs, or here race, is the word from which we get the English word stadium. And and in stadiums, we have athletic events. There are some races that are run and other sports. And people fill the stadium to view the, the competition, to see uh, the Olympics, for instance, to see the athletes compete for the crown. Who will win the gold? Or who will come away with the silver or the bronze? And the word stadium is taken from this word stadion. And so we can see that it has a lot to do with running, as most athletic events involve running. Uh, Just about all of them, if you think of it, basketball you have to run, football you have to run, baseball you have to run. Just about every sport, pretty much, there are some exceptions, involve Running, And so, they which run in a stadium, run all. Or they which run in a furlong, run all. But one receiveth a prize, so run that ye may obtain. And this is the word of God giving direction to us that we should run in the furlong. But uh, why run? That we might obtain the prize. And what is the prize? Well, it it says in verse 25, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. And this is uh, very true of athletes in the world. And we've all heard the stories of how they deprive themselves of certain foods and sweets and 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 other things and they're very disciplined and they they train and train and train they keep their body their physical body under because they they want to master their event they want the gold medal they want to be the winner and and they want to be the one that takes home the prize first prize and, and so God is using that illustration, which um, apparently not much has changed. It's an ancient illustration, 
as this was written, uh, these things were written in the first century A.D., and yet it, it's very appropriate for our modern day. Uh, actually, mankind uh, even more fiercely determines to win the prize. They'll they'll be deceitful in it, and and as uh, taking steroids or other helps. Uh, that are illegal, yet in their incredible desire and their lust to obtain the prize, they will do whatever it takes. And and so God is pointing to them, and he says, Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. They, they don't smoke, they don't drink, they they don't overeat, and they they really are in control of their body. Now, it goes on to explain in verse 25, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. And it's true. The MVP award or the championship uh, award or the gold medal or whatever the prize is in whatever sport. It's it, it's a temporal thing. People even forget after a few years. They don't remember who won the gold medal uh, 30 years ago. It it's uh, something that fades away, like all the the glory of this world. It's it's like the flower of the grass. The Bible speaks of it that it's here today and tomorrow it's gone. And and so uh, men put forth mighty effort and they they go all out to win the prize, to achieve the exaltation, the victory, to be lifted up by their peers and and stand on the platform. And yet, it's a corruptible crown. Eventually, it will lose its luster. Um, The uh, Super Bowl ring will be stolen, and it, it will be gone from them in Time, time will ruin their crown. Is really what a corruptible crown is, and ultimately, death comes to all, and they they can't take their trophies with them. They can't take their gold medal with them into the grave, or or where they're going. They're going to nothing if they weren't saved. It it was just a temporary um, exaltation. It was a temporary thing. But on the other hand, God says, but we, an incorruptible, and now he's speaking to the elect, and he's he's using this comparison, where on one hand, look at the world, look at their competition, and and what they're willing to do to obtain their earthly prize, and it's uh, a far lesser prize it's not worthy to be compared. Remember how God uh, makes that comparison between temporal and eternal uh, in Second Corinthians 4.17. For a light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Well, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And eternal things are uh, a far more exceeding eternal weight 
of glory. If, if it would be a great and wonderful thing to win the gold medal in pole vaulting or in the, the hundred yard dash, then how much more glorious were, uh, we, we couldn't come up with the, the number of times more glorious it is to be a child of God and to be given the gift of eternal life by God through the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ and to be given that prize that lies at the end of God's plan for this world. It, it's right there off in the distance and we are commanded by God to run and and to go forth unto that prize. Remember what it says in Philippians uh, chapter 3. It says in verse 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There is the prize in front of us, not too long, not too far away, and and God saves us, or has saved all of his people, we can say at this point, and now go, as that expression is, go for it. Press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Run the race, run the furlong that is set before you and run it in such a way in in the spiritual realm, but nonetheless run it in such a way that you determine to be the one that receives that prize that you might obtain because it is far more glorious a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory lies at the finish line and it is a crown that will be placed upon your head not just for the day where everyone rises and claps and cheers your name for uh, for a day or for a week or for a month not the glory of a few years while people respect you as the gold medal winner of uh, such and such Olympics, but the glory that never fades away, the glory that is eternal, that continues on forevermore into this eternity future that is in front of us for the people of God. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.